Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Today's podcast is called Conscious Boundaries Through the Holidays. So I know that there are tons of, I don't know, podcasts, books, articles written on, you know, gratitude and I'm a huge advocate for gratitude and the practice of it. And I know that there's a lot of discussion about longing for and missing family right now as we go through COVID, um, particularly through the holidays. But, you know, we're in a really unique situation on the planet um, because of COVID where we're not seeing our extended family, you know, we're not traveling, we're not doing the things that traditionally we would have done without any sort of second thought to it all. But because things are so different, I really want to jump in and talk about 10 boundaries to have through the, um, through the holidays, especially as a sensitive, Um, So how does a sensitive experience energy or intentions different than, let's just say, an average person? So the sensitive, because of your clairsentience, your feeling, and or your claircognizance, your knowing, if, um, you know, that sexist slur at the table with Uncle John was coming from truth or if it was a joke you can really feel sensitives can feel the intention behind it and so where maybe the average person can sort of laugh it off and haha so funny the sensitive knows that that's a real comment coming from a real place with an uncle John or whatever so if you magnify that times 20, if you magnify that, um, you know, times 20 people, and then you magnify that times high energy, high fear, um, because of COVID and in our country for other reasons, (laughs) in addition to COVID, um, the sensitives are really having a hard time, really finding, um, having a really hard time finding their way with boundaries. Um, and how to sort of have great boundaries and yet be able to participate in, you know, society and in the larger family. And there are times where interacting with the larger family, if you will, is actually just not good for you. There, there are situations that, you know, our culture doesn't really talk about how beautiful and helpful and healing for both people it is to have boundaries. So, Um, I'm going to go against the grain and I'm going to talk about why boundaries um, can be so transformative for both parties, right? For the person being able to give the hard boundary and for the person receiving the boundary. Because I feel most people don't want to be jerks. Um, They don't want to get away with it, if you will, right? I come from a family that if you sort of don't show up in an aggressive way, you will be disrespected because you didn't. So sometimes, you know, it took me a lifetime to understand my peace was found through uh, the comment back or the um, asserting of my own territory. And I'm fine to do that because I have that in me. Um, But our culture, (laughs) excuse me, our culture sort of didn't say that women or girls or you know, daughters or whatever that sort of role is, has permission to challenge the quote unquote authority. Um, so we're, we're going to talk about 10 boundaries and I hope on the other side that you have a little bit more confidence, um, in having boundaries and executing those boundaries, however you need to right? Because nobody knows your situation better than you do. So that final decision on what needs to happen comes down to you and what decision you choose and what you make. Um, and you don't owe anyone an explanation. Um, with that being said, you know, I, I felt like I owed people explanations for boundaries. And then it took me another, you know, half decade to a decade to understand they didn't necessarily care. They didn't care for my reasons. So, um, when we're dealing with that too, you know, what do we do with that and how do we overcome through that? So there's lots of reasons we're not encouraged to have firm boundaries. And from my heart, 
having firm boundaries with the people I love and care about the most has changed my life in the most beautiful, beautiful ways. So, um, it should be interesting. So before I get to the 10 boundaries, um, I'm going to do a little bit of storytelling and just sort of, um, hopefully paint a picture of, we're talking about very firm boundaries to stop, um, very painful things, sort of, this isn't like, um, you said you didn't like my coat, you know, it's not petty stuff like that. It's just, these are really life transformative. We're going to come up to abuse. Even that's, that's the, we're coming up to that in this discussion, probably several times. Um, so let's just say like, uh, if I was sharing with a friend, um, when I was really trying to find my way with boundaries and let's just say she was about 20 years older than I was. So there's a generational thing there that in reflection only could I sort of get to from her perspective, but in the moment it was upsetting, right? So maybe I just spent a half hour sort of telling a story about how a family member was so cruel and so conniving and uh, really went out of their way to cause harm. And then in the next breath, my friend had said to me, oh, but think of the children. I mean, aren't you going to let her see your children? And I, I was completely perplexed by this. So, you know, what I had to unpack there was actually because of my children, I found the strength to have boundaries with the abusive family member. (laughs) So I'm not going to just let them have access to my children. It's literally my job to protect them, not to expose them to harm or danger that I know is there if I expose them to this particular person. Okay. And so from my friend, I could look back and she did expose her children to, let's just say an abuser in her life and her children were harmed by that. So sometimes what we're up against is you're finding your way with boundaries. You're finding what that looks like for you. And the one person maybe you're confiding in, um, literally try, you know, speaks against you, you know, says maybe with good intention, certainly, but this sort of cultural sleep that because somebody has a precious or a sacred title, they can do whatever they want to you. So that's not true for anybody. And it is extra not true for the sensitive, um, because sensitives carry so much shame and guilt anyway, because <laughs> if we pick up that energy at all, we, in, in many ways, especially if we're not trained, we feel very responsible for the energy being in the room. Um, you know, small stuff or generational stuff or cultural stuff, wherever this fits to you. You know, I grew up with people that would say, oh, you know, it looks like you're getting a big ass in front of others just for a joke, you know, just to make other people laugh. And you and I both know, I mean, I have so many female clients that carry that shame, that joke within their energy today. So, um, my boundaries only get tighter and firmer every year and my life gets clearer and much more enjoyable as I understand where I'm at and what's okay around me. So this isn't about control, right? There's, there's, that's a different thing where, you know, I've certainly raised around people that were so controlling. You couldn't like grab your fork right without offending them that that's not where we're going we're going to this place of clarity where these boundaries are for your comfort your awareness your clarity um so broadly where we can stop lying to ourselves um where uh, you know i've learned to say if somebody says something nasty i'll you know i'll say that's not okay to say. And then the person will say, well, it's just a joke. And I'll say, well, jokes are supposed to be funny, right? So we're just clarifying that it's not okay just to make fun of somebody for a broader joke when it's not appropriate. I understand that there are relationships and there are, you know, intimacies that totally can get away with that. And if that's the truth, do it all day long, whatever. That's, that's cool. But in most situations, the sensitives are the black sheep and the black sheep gets dumped on and made fun of and the nasty comments come out, but you're also sensitive. So where do you put it? And that's what we want to talk about today. 
And let me just also paint a bigger picture. Let's say if it's normal times and your tradition is to be around a big table, a family, multi-generational. Okay. And you're at the table and somebody's telling a story about something that was violent or scary. Um, so I, what I imagine, cause I don't know this cause I'm, I've always been psychic medium. So I don't know what it's like to hear something like that and just be able to hear it and not internalize it or remote view it. Um, so for the sake of you, <laughs> my audience as a sensitive, what we're doing is somebody's telling the story and now we're, it's called remote viewing. So we're seeing the images as like a download and we can hear it clairaudiently. And there have been more times than I can remember where I've said to a client when they're, they have me in a particular timeline or story where I can say, I can even smell that. I can even smell what that moment was like. Um, so again, this podcast is about celebrating your sensitivity while understanding how that animates for you specifically. So where my husband can sort of be around all kinds of different stories and not be affected by that stories, um, become three dimensional to me when people tell them. <laughs> so, I, um, if somebody is telling a story around me, I can access the emotion in the story through clairsentience. I can act, I can start seeing visions of it, downloading it, um, clairvoyantly. So in a way I have to be a little bit more aware of the stories being told around me so I can keep up on how my energy looks through that. So to just illustrate that a little bit more, my grandma used to talk a lot about, her time out on the farm. And she used to always tell the story about, um, having to knock out her big brother. Um, maybe he was big only cause he was like a giant, you know, and she was five foot four or something. Um, as a child and I was in more of that sort of black and white state, I could laugh at that and go, Oh my God, grandma, you're so strong. But now when I hear that story in my mind, and I'm aware of my psychic senses, that story is very different and very textural. So um, my point is, is that maybe average people or regular people or shut down people, I don't know how to language that, less psychic people, um, when they hear stories and people are talking and people make silly comments or nasty comments and everyone just laughs and looks the other way. I want to just honor that you could be paralyzed with something very different in that moment. And maybe you've dealt with that your whole life and maybe nobody has ever acknowledged that, um, that is a different moment for you compared to everybody else in the room, perhaps uniquely to you. And that is because of your psychic senses. Um, so let's jump on into these 10, um, boundaries and I'll sort of elaborate. And I hope again, by the end of this podcast, you'll just have more awareness for like, Oh my God, I do that. Or, Oh my God, I remember feeling that way. Or, um, I just hope it reminds you of these moments of yourself, um, only to be acknowledged, um, perhaps to be healed if necessary, and perhaps to be pursued and understood further in the future. Okay. Okay. So as we get to number one, um, I have to, uh, I have to acknowledge that there's a belief system component that will block, that blocks us along the way. Um, so there's those feelings, the belief system, maybe that you don't deserve good boundaries. You don't deserve firm boundaries with people and they'll still love you. Um, maybe a belief system that if you're honest, you'll lose them. Um, if you're honest and have good boundaries, the whole family will turn against you. And, um, all of those are possibilities, right? Like the more boundaries I've had, the more relationships I've lost. But on the other side of that is a happiness and a lighter spirit and a clarity and a joy in my life. So my argument with the guys at the beginning of my healing journey with boundaries was I, you can't have it both ways. You're going to have to choose. And there are some situations, there are some relationships that you have to choose your peace, your joy, your self-respect over the entire relationship, or it can just change a little bit. You know, it can just change into maybe hopefully a more truthful, honest, um, experience of a relationship. And if that becomes less than you're not losing anything, you're only gaining yourself. 
and a lot of my work is about is about pursuing pursuing your soul and pursuing your spirit and and those two things only come through our ability to protect and defend animate and celebrate that part of us um so I'll try not to elaborate on this I could go into a whole other discussion on that but but I hope that makes sense to you um boundaries will cost you something but having no boundaries cost you more than you can imagine they cost you your spirit and the work that we do in these podcasts the work I do professionally is about confronting the possibility of loss to pursue the gain that is certainly on the other side of that and and I know some of you are now like envisioning like a controlling mother type situation that's not what we're talking about we're talking about authentic boundaries out of love and respect for the both of you not because you're a petty controlling um, dominant person it's it's a love and a safety for the both of you so how about we get into the 10 and then hopefully at the uh, on the other side of this that will make sense so the first one I have here is put parameters around communication. So again, I was raised in a family where 99% of the communication was grab ass joke, you know, making fun of you could not get these people to have an honest, heartfelt, truthful conversation ever. And I live in the truth zone. I live in the heart zone. So you can imagine um, how disconnected from my life, myself, my spirit, I had to be just to endure a conversation uh, with most of my family. Um, so let's see. There, there. I had to start putting parameters around conversations. So right away, let's just say when my children were little, nobody was going to tell them that their ass was looking big or that, you know, I was called like cool kid, Kate, Katie, cool kid. I was called brown noser when, you know, my folks were divorced and like the once a month I got to see my dad, I was so happy. And everyone in the family took my joy and they perverted it and called me brown noser and just said, well, you're just trying to get something from him. Um, and I was definitely trying to get something from my dad, his attention. <laughs> I loved him and I loved being in his presence and it was very confusing. And so to be called names and stuff while I was so happy, genuinely heartfelt, happy to have people language those words to me, um, did disconnect me further from my spirit, my, who, who I was. And what we do is we put on armor and we guard against. So let's just say now we're an adult and we are falling in love. We now guard against that which we would love because of that ridiculous taunting or, you know, making fun of or labels or whatever the hell. So these are, these are ways these boundaries can help start just shredding that early programming and the fear and you know, I openly and, um, vocally love who I love unapologetically. And nobody makes fun of that for me today, but that was definitely a journey to, um, get there. Yeah. I've been in the presence of the same people, you know, different family, different family members that have come across over the years, married and single. And let's just say as a married person with my own children, I'm on guard with how people talk to them. So it's like nobody is going to say stuff like that to my kids and I'm going to look the other way. And the interesting thing is, and you know this if you practice boundaries, is that people just don't do it because you're prepared to... Um, you're prepared for a conversation if they dare bring that to the table. Um, so I hope I languaged that right. It just doesn't happen to my kids. Um, I've seen a, the very same people go and make fun of other people's kids. And at one point, one family member hit somebody else's kid. And, you know, I was in shock seeing that. And I was also very clear that will never happen to my kids because I'm, I know what the, they're capable of and I'm on guard. I'm prepared for their, mm, most stupidest impulses. Let me just say it that way. Okay. So what, what's happened even in my home, I don't like making fun language. My daughter's really taught me, um, 
She's very clear, you know, mothers and daughters, you cannot. And I don't, and it's okay. I've not lost anything. I've gained a really um, vulnerable and, and honest and trust my daughter, trusts me with everything she has. And it's because I don't use loose language with her. I speak to her respectfully. She speaks back to me respectfully. Um, yeah, we have moments where we try to sort of play fun a little. And if somebody is not in the mood, you know what I mean? They're, they're just not in the mood for all the many reasons people cannot be in the mood for it. It's, it's, um, it's obvious in the moment. And if somebody was a little loose with their language, you know, we just say, Oh, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I was just being silly. And you fully own that you were trying to be playful. It didn't work. And you know, we all move on, right? So we can all still be silly with each other. Um, but there has to be this sort of foundational respect in communication. Um, for sure. That has changed my life coming from where I've come from. Now, I don't know where you've come from and I don't know how that looks for you. But if you have this like lifetime of people saying nasty stuff to you, um, you know, I, I can hear some of my students in my mind like, yeah, but I have to be really aggressive. This sort of quite knowing that you deserve to be talked to respectfully because you you know, 99% of the time talk respectfully to others, that has to be just a quiet knowing in you. And if you're still coming up against people still saying nasty stuff, that the work is in yourself. I deserve to be spoken to kindly. I deserve to um, have kind words spoken to me. I deserve to be celebrated for my efforts, right? We could go on, but um, that number one boundary I, is transformative. So let's go to number two, number two, make a plan for your mind. Okay. So I'm talking to sensitives. So many of you and clairvoyance can, it can come and go. And clairvoyance is how we see images and, or you just have always experienced clairvoyance and you labeled it as imagination or memory or just making it up. So, um, Again, have a, especially through the holidays, if you're seeing your family or not, which in America, we're not, we're not, <laughs> um, have a plan for, um, it's not to get down this long rabbit hole, but let's just say if you're a telepath and your family members are thinking of you, you'll keep seeing the family member in your mind. And there's two things you either stop and ask, am I getting a message from them or are they communicating with me? So if you're seeing images of a person, just stop and check in. Where's this coming from? And if you're seeing, you know, if you're future dooming, try to get a hold of that, have some boundaries around that, sort of ask your guide if you can, if this is a message or if I'm just totally spinning out and future dooming. Um, maybe you keep going back to an image of the past, good or bad or ugly, and just sort of ask your guides, why, why do I keep seeing this image? What is this supposed to mean to me? Because as psychics, we tend to not just randomly imagine stuff. You know, I'm sure like you, if I'm doing my hair or doing my makeup, I will be thinking of somebody and like two seconds later, I'll get a text from them. I'll get an email from them. As sometimes I say to my girlfriends, I've been, I've been talking to you all morning. Thank you for getting back to me, <laughs> you know, just cause I've been thinking about them and having this clear, you know, telepathic communication with them. And, um, you're doing that all the time. So I just want to encourage you to have a plan for images that come up. Often my planning is do learn to have a follow-up question and yeah, that could take a lot more skill and you'd have to talk to a birth guide, but maybe just for now, just sort of play with, I will just ask, is there a message here? Am I thinking of them or are they talking to me? Is this healthy for me? Is this something I can pursue or something I need to stop? So that's how we work with intuition. Uh, we start asking questions around it so we understand why it's happening. Let's just say if it was normal times and you're at the table with your family, or maybe I have international listeners and maybe you guys get to be with your family this year. So let's just say you, somebody's telling a story or there's something going on and you have a lot of strong images coming up. Um, a 
plan would be that if somebody's telling a story that you don't want to remote view, you know, get these downloads, these images, these different textures of the story, have a plan to like think of somebody visually that you love or a happy place, <laughs> like, you know, whatever that looks like to you, um, so that you can start taking your energy away from the story. So you have control over your own energy. Um, so that's what I mean by a plan. Choose to do something with your mind to fill that with more images that you're in control of and pull your clear sentient out for sure. Um, don't let your energy go into that story because you can get lost in the energy and then that's where we were okay and then now we're not and then now we don't know how to get back to ourselves, right? Which can be a cycle of hell for psychics that don't know how to control our gift. Okay. Number three I have is make a plan for physical things. So what I mean by that is it took me so long to understand that there are some physical places I just can't go into. So let's just say if my family, if we're looking at new houses, there have been more times than I can remember where I'll maybe start walking to the steps and then my guides will be like, no, don't go in there. There's one house even where my guides are like, don't go in there and get your kids out of there. Cause my kids just went right in and <laughs> down to the basement where the energy of something really nasty was. So if it's a house, let's just say maybe we're in normal times, maybe you're international and you get to go to somebody's place. Just start asking yourself if you feel comfortable there. Um, you know, we have a plan for your physicality because if you're medium and you don't know it, you could be affected by the spirits in the room. Um, if you're the psychic stuff, if there's any sort of trauma or bad energy, you will be affected by that and you will not have control over it if you don't know how to control your clairs, your intuition. So just, you know, as the holidays, even if you're home, maybe, um, a plan for physical stuff, having good boundaries. If you're in a home with people, um, you know, have a plan for what your physicality needs. Um, so we do this, like, again, this just comes down to, it's a matter of fact, and it's a matter of respect for me, respect for you. So I don't like dominate my family for house hunting. I don't like lose my mind. Oh my God, I can't go in there. There are times where they can go in without me. And there are times where the guys will say, no, get them out. And it's just a matter of fact, it's not a big deal. And I, um, you know, it, these are just ways to show our, our loved ones that whatever, whatever thing they need to, you're willing to bend and flex for whatever their needs are as well. Um, you know, I often use the analogy, if you were in a wheelchair, you would have different needs in that moment. And the whole, you know, all the people around you would have to bend towards accommodating that. Well, your intuition and your sensitivity, there are times where it's just a solid no for you in some situations. So we, you know, I'm just trying to encourage you to really think about your physicality through the holidays. If you're going somewhere, are you comfortable? Um, if you're in America and you're don't want to go somewhere, please don't, you know, really, of course, just, just really tune in and listen to that part of you. And number four, I have here make peace with the truth about who you are and make peace with your sensitivity and priorities. So, um, two things, it's kind of like what we were just talking about. You know, if there, if there are just some buildings, some locations and some people you are not comfortable around, please tune into that and start acknowledging that and then make a plan around that for yourself. Um, I E, you know, I just went along to get along and I'd usually come home suffering so severely either energetically or mentally, you know, whatever the situation was at the time. And so I'm, I'm learning, you know, as it just, it's still a practice that I can't just go everywhere. And so I have to be more diligent, <laughs> less casual sometimes about just checking in with that. Now, when it comes to priorities, I want to invite you to think about priorities. You know, nobody really raises us with what are your priorities in the moment, particularly as we go through the holidays. So my first priority is protecting my own energy and health and happiness because my whole family orbits around me. And if I'm not okay, um, they're not okay. So 
yes, I acknowledge my children are older and it's not quite like it was when they were little. Last year, um, when I found out I had that infection because of my jaw surgery and I was going to have a midline put into my arm and I'd have to have twice daily um, medicine administered, what I was the most mad about was that I would be pretty much out of commission to Thanksgiving, right? So I, just before Halloween, they put it in. And what I was most upset about and I actually cried about was that I couldn't bring my most holiday nest to the table because these are all memories I'm making. You know, I don't get a do-over here. These are all memories that I get to make with my children's childhoods. And um, so I want to bring my best self so that I can create the best memories with them. And yet we don't want to be too hard on ourselves. Other people have to bring them their best self as well to the table. But um, my second priority would be my children. So whenever something comes up or we're planning something, my second most important priority is how will this affect my kids? Right. And if, you know, depending on their age, depending on what's up, I make decisions totally around that. And so you know, when we have pressure from other people and we have pressure from other family, um, find out what your priority is, um, and make decisions based off of that. Okay. Really unapologetically, I think is another important point without the shame and the guilt. It's just a matter of fact, I need to be healthy and I need to ha have, be happy so I can genuinely be happy around my family, my children, my husband. But then I also need my kids to be okay. You know what I mean? They, they need to enjoy this time. And so those are just facts. And that's how I pursue the holidays is my, through my priorities. Now, number five is for mediums. And I, I have to, you know, say that you might not understand how mediumistic you are, that how affected by spirits you are. And, you know, when I say that, please remember spirits are just a natural part of this dimension. Um, and they're so common. It's not funny. I can't believe we have shows dedicated to spirits. You know, everything on the travel channel right now is ghost stories and other entity stories. I can't even believe that's a thing because they're literally everywhere. Anyway, so with that being said, have a plan to deal with the spirits through the holidays, right? So in my house, I have a no um, spirit sort of thing in my house. I don't want, you know, ghosts don't just get to walk through my house. I don't want a lot of family on the other side hanging out um, because, again, if my grandma's sitting in my reading room with me, she's sitting there and I want to look at her and talk to her. So I, they're, they're like people. So whether you know it or not, you have an instinct to sort of brace and listen. So can you imagine how draining that must be for you if you don't quite understand that you have a bunch of spirits around you, they're all talking, they're all talking to you, and you don't quite know how to bridge that. Because <laughs> um, that can take training. Even if you were born that way, it just can take training to understand that that texture or that feeling, that pressure, that sound is actually coming from heaven or a lower realm. So have a plan for the spirits. Um, start talking to the angels, raise the vibration in your house, have some prayers, you know, and a conversation with God about what gets to come in the house and what doesn't. And just I have some boundaries around that, particularly through the holidays. Okay. So number six, this one is definitely hard, harder for people to do. And um, this is, you know, this is about voice recovery and feeling like you have the right to speak your needs. So number six is tell them what you need upfront. And if they scoff at that, take that seriously. You know, things can be renegotiated each holiday. They can be renegotiated each week. You're, you have permission to renegotiate your needs every day, every moment, if you need to. Okay. So let's assume we don't know everything because we don't. So things change. So I, you know, there was a time in my life where my stepmom created so much 
drama and pain and chaos that to protect myself and my children, I had to say, you know, if my dad said, well, I want to come down for a visit or whatever, there were times, and again, these things can change. Um, there were times I had to say, she is not invited. She is not welcome. Um, and of course he already knew the reason cause it was super obvious, but you know, and I, I'm always up for people healing and changing and growing. I'm always up for that, but there are times that the truth is it's just a solid no. Um, and if he'd say, well, I'm not coming without her, then you're not coming, you know? So, um, there were times I'd say something like that to somebody else and they'd like laugh at me like, Oh, who do you think you are to say somebody can't come? Well, again, if we're talking about my space, my family, mm, I do have the right to say that. And, um, so my point is, is that especially as we go through COVID here in America and people are acting highly, uh, intense through the COVID lens, through the political lens that we're going through, um, articulating what your truth is, is so important and get comfortable with whatever the truth is, is just the truth. It's just a fact. Try to bottom line it as much as you can. Psychics tend to be always in a negotiated energetic state, right? We're always compromised. We're always negotiating. We always sort of know what you want from us. So you don't even have to tell us. And, um, we're learning that our energy matters too. Our needs and wants matter too. And, um, our limitations matter as well. So we tend to think of ourselves as invincible and we can handle anything and everything. And we, we just can't, you know, I had to get really comfortable with my limitations where I was celebrated for how much I could handle as a child and a teenager. Um, I had to dial that way back way back <laughs> and require much more from everybody. Um, so that was my story. Okay. Number seven, work with your thoughts. I've been talking to my 12 year old son about this much more, um, because he's starting to talk to me about sort of not having control over his thoughts. And, um, you know, I just think that's a really human thing to say. And I can be very pointed with there, there, you know, certainly in my late twenties, I had to get control of my thoughts. So if you're a clear audience, your thoughts are running all the time. Cause you actually do hear voices, but it all sounds like your thinking voice and you, you just sometimes can't get a hold of it. And if there are other telepaths that are close to you, but they're abusive, then they're always nailing you, you in the mental realm. Um, if you are a time traveler, you know, sensitives tend to stay in the past. So we're always having these conversations in our minds again and again and again. So, oh my gosh, the pursuit of getting some control over your thoughts is just one of the most rewarding things that you can do. Um, the two most transformative um, teachers that I pursued was anything Louise Hay, right? She is the founder of Hay's House. So Louise Hay, um, just so much, she, she's written so many things about, you know, dealing with your thoughts. Byron Katie, I guess would be another one. She has um, the book, the, I think it's called The Work. I think I told you guys about hers, the last um, podcast where you just do these four questions in a turnaround, very helpful. And then there's also some limitation towards it because to me, you're not getting to the actual truth of the moment, but it's a good sort of study on how to sort of calm your mind, get some clarity, some space around some things that you might be torturing yourself thinking about. And I do want to say that um, there was another, another couple of years where I studied the Napoleon Hill stuff. Um, I loved anything in his actual original words because he's so passionate, <coughs> excuse me, he's so passionate about how this, uh, like this realization of thinking, um, just changes the way that you interact with your life. From my perspective, um, through studying his work, he was very clearly a medium as well. And a lot of the work that he did, um, that he did and wrote was channeled, um, while also pursuing, um, interviews and finding facts to find a formula, but he was clearly a, a psychic medium as well. And again, I'm talking to you. So I'm talking to a fellow sensitive, um, 
you knowing where you're at with your own thinking is again, just one of the most transformative things you can do for your life because it's so easy to hear some, somebody else's thoughts or some, you know, something else outside of you. And you can literally spend a lifetime not knowing where your own thoughts are in your own life about what you actually think. So the eighth boundary is to meditate. Um, you know, psychic mediums, one of the last things we want to do is meditate because often all the chaos around us comes into meditation with us. So what do I mean? If you're a medium, it tends to turn on the light. So ghosts come in and, um, angels come in and there's all this activity. And if you're not confidently clairvoyant, you can't see that you just kind of feel the chaos and you definitely want to shut it down. So I want to encourage you to get like a 15, 20 minute guided meditation, particularly on your energy system, i.e. your chakras. And if I can encourage you through the holidays to work with your energy system and clear it out daily, that would be an incredible boundary for you. Um, cause the clearer you are, the clearer you will be with your environment, the clearer you'll be with your intuition. So I call it a boundary because it's a way for us to execute boundaries with our environment. If we can get into meditation daily please guided, please nothing more than 20 minutes. <laughs> um, I think you'll get a lot out of that this holiday. And number nine is to practice gratitude. Um, so my sweet little son said to me the other night, how can I stop thinking about negative things, mama? And, you know, it doesn't take me long to connect the dots in my own life that when I started to, you know, if I need a frequency change, you guys probably all know this. I'm just reminding you, uh, the fastest frequency changer is gratitude, right? And if you can't find that, grat there have been moments in my life I could not find the gratitude. I felt so tortured and so lost um, and so hopeless. So what you, you find gratitude and sort of that prophesying your future, you know, you're, you're finding some gratitude in thank you that this will happen. Thank you. Um, I hope we can all find things that are so profound and yet common. I hope we can find gratitude in our health. I hope we can find gratitude in our, our eyes that we can see the world that we can, um, sing that we can speak. Um, you know, some, if somebody is really down and really can't find their way out. I say you have to go find your research, find your evidence. And, you know, there are people, um, that suffer so much more than, than you do, than I do, than, um, and if they can go through the suffering and come out, um, you know, with hope and optimism, then we certainly can. So that's, I always say, just, you know, find your evidence. If you can't find your way to gratitude, start with that. Um, it's kind of maybe not the right thing to say, but I'm thinking about it, so I'm going to say it. There was even a time um, when I was had my surgery in my jaw, I couldn't open my mouth. And I thought about this 2020 special where this man, um, this young man shot himself in the face and he survived. And then he was like one of the first ones to receive a facial transplant. And the interviewer asked him, what did you miss the most? Or what do you, I, I forget the timeline. What do you miss the most? And he said, well, having a mouth to eat pizza. Oh my God. Right. So uh, these things that yes, we take for granted and, and I know that we can, and it's okay. Cause sometimes the pain is, is that real for sure. Um, and, and overwhelming, but again, so if we think, okay, I have a jaw and, um, even now, like almost daily, I still wake up thinking I'm so happy I can eat. <laughs> I'm so happy I can chew and open my mouth because there was, there were months I couldn't just last year because of my, um, the broken bone in my jaw. So we want to practice gratitude. And then if you can, I want to, I want to invite you to have gratitude for yourself. Um, so I think it's so important to, to find appreciation and gratitude for who you are and, um, you know, when I need a frequency change or I need some perspective, I'll think, look at, I showed up for my clients today. I loved them and I saw them today. 
I listened to my children and I talked with them and I looked them in the eye. I took my body for a run um, or I took my kids for a run with me and they bitched the whole time, but I didn't give up on them, you know, (laughs) like they're teenagers. So sometimes it's cool. Sometimes they don't like that, (laughs) but they're going through COVID. So they, you know, it's my job to mother them. And I wanted to take them out for a run for their health and maybe in the future, they'll have some skills and some tools to take care of themselves too. Right. So, um, these are what I'm talking, you know, you talk to the aunt, you talk to your aunt today and you know, you could be there for her. I mean, whatever these little things were, um, you said you sent your husband a nice text. Maybe you're in a bad mood. Maybe you were feeling like, Hey, I could use some uplifting, but maybe you send it to heaven again. It's like, okay, I can appreciate the effort that I'm making and, the ways that are natural for me and the ways that are not natural for me to acknowledge that you, you do bring those to the table. Um, so I just want you to, I want to invite you to, to experience all the ways that you are amazing and you contribute. And again, there are things that are easy for us and there are just some things that aren't, but we do it anyway. Right. I, I feel like I'm not really a natural cook. I'm not a natural chef. And so I have small celebrations every time I get a a meal on the table for my kids, which is uh, like every day because we're in COVID. Right. So (laughs) in all the ways I am pushed, my not natural skill gets pushed to participate in the day. It's kind of an incredible feat for me every day. And no, I don't ever get really excited about recipes and stuff, but this, this experience has forced me to come up with new stuff, to buy new books, to sort of explore opportunities in, in cooking and food in different ways that I wouldn't uh, otherwise. And my children's childhood is fleeting, right? So here we are together and it's a lot. I have to feed them a lot. And I think about the years that they, they will be gone you know, my have to cook three meals a day will just not be a reality for the rest of my life. So while it's here, I'm going to be damn grateful that I get to experience a meal with these people three times a day. I also know most people, not most people, but many people don't have anyone to go through this with. So I think about that as well. And it makes me, it humbles me. And then it makes me feel really grateful for the the chaos and the noise and the laughter and the life in my house as we go through quarantine here in in America. So finally, boundary number 10 is, um, let me see, I wrote down, let's see, vision what you want, vision what you want for next year. So again, I'm talking to sensitives and sensitives often have a belief system that they don't get what they want anyway. So why bother? (laughs) Okay. So when we, when I'm trying to give you this boundary, this, um, what do I mean by boundary? You give space to protect the way you think about this in your life. Um, you give space to find voice for this particular energy in your life. So envisioning your future, um, I want to encourage you to do it in a prophecy way. So this honest conversation with your soul, if your soul keeps saying, Hey, you know, I want to play the piano and you're like, Oh, someday it costs too much. Anyway, you know, like we, we shush her and we put her in the corner for someday or another day, or I don't know why I'm thinking that. So as we go through the holidays, please invite yourself to be a huge part of the season. Um, you know, buy the trees you like, think of ornaments you like, bake and cook things you like, um, have conversations that you're interested in, start them, call them. If you have no one to talk to about these things, write them down, tell yourself stories. Um, you know, be a huge part of the season and do take time to think about next year and how you're going to include yourself in that timeline. Maybe some people are like, what is she talking about? Statistically, again, I work with sensitive psychics and across the board, they don't, we don't, um, put ourselves into the vision of time. 
So we tend to think, well, what will other people do to us? Or what will, what will come up? Like sort of random things will come up. So instead of being in a sort of passive way, which we just are programmed to do when we're little, if we're psychic sensitive, I want to invite you to be a real active part of visioning your next year, Um, listening to those whispers of your spirit. Does she want to play piano? And then maybe not um, critique or intellectualize the hell out of it so she doesn't want to play the piano anymore. a lot of my really intelligent fellow psychics do that, where you'll talk yourself right out of the very thing you want. So to just be aware of that and be more playful with that and really invite your spirit to talk to you, to talk loud, to talk clearly about what she wants to experience this next year, um, starting with through the holidays. So I I think a lot of intuitives think it's like our job to figure out what everybody else wants. And um, so sometimes we put on music we don't want. We put on music we think other people want to hear, and then they don't. And then we're sort of like bitter because nobody appreciates what we're doing for them. So like if we can just sort of change that a little bit where you play the music you want, and then you encourage the people around you, if you get to go through the holidays with others, to bring their music to the table, you know, to cook their food. So I, we have our traditional meals and I'm constantly dialoguing with my kids. Like, but what do you want to experience? What do you want to make? What are you thinking about? Right. Even husbands can like leave it all up to you. And I think they sometimes think they're doing you a favor, but really you and I know we want to know what they're excited about. We want to experience what they create for us during the holidays. And so, um, all the ways you bring your unique self to the table, uh, metaphorically or otherwise, and how deeply I want to experience the way other people are wanting to experience the holidays, thus bringing their crafts, their creations, their um, channeling, their food, <laughs> excuse me, music, animation to the table enriches my holiday. So we want everyone to be animating as authentically um and as vulnerably as we can to experience each other, not to impress each other, but to experience each other. Okay, so that's it for this week. Next week, oh, I have to say the interview with my colleague Serena Baptista won't happen this holiday season, but maybe next holiday season. Um, It's a busy, busy time for everybody. So next week's podcast is going to be called connecting to the other side through the holidays. So it'll be more through the lens of a medium. And I want to give you some tips and tricks to be able to authentically connect to your loved ones on the other side. You know, how does that look? What's the texture? What to um, watch out for? And I, mm, I'm just really excited about that one too. So uh, until then, I'll see you next time. If you're interested in finding out which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take the quiz, Which Claire Are You? Until next time, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.